Turn in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the reading of God's Word. Thanks be to God. Our title for today's message is By Faith We Believe in Creation. By Faith We Believe in Creation. We continue our series today in Hebrews chapter 11, People of God. It's a chapter all about faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. The first two verses of Hebrews 11, beloved, serve as the introduction, with the subsequent verses serving as chapters or illustrations of what it looks like to live by faith. So yes, we are talking about justifying faith, the only kind of saving faith there is. We are not talking about faith as it justifies. We are talking about faith as it lives, moves, exercises, fights, and works. Thus, the author is not saying everything there is to say about faith. Keep in mind, two weeks ago, as we saw, he doesn't even contrast faith with works. So he's not saying everything there is to say about faith. His concern is a kind of faith, a faith that lives upon God and His Word. Which brings us to verse 3. Verse 3, in verse 3, the writer begins his by faith series. And, interestingly enough, maybe surprising to some, He does not begin with Abel, the first person commended in the Bible for his faith. The writer, look at your Bibles, instead points to an example of faith which every believer can identify with. That is creation. It's all around us. So, in other words, before he elaborates, the author that is on individuals, the writer draws on a common experience we all have. Faith in God as creator. In order to show that the kind of faith he will illustrate is not foreign to us. In other words, we are not reading in chapter 11 of Hebrews of simply Old Testament Christians or saints and their faith that are somehow disconnected from us. We are reading, as Dr. Carter said last weekend, of our family story. And he puts us, us, he puts us first. By faith, we believe in the God of creation. Now, the outline for this morning is God is the cause of creation, number one. Boys and girls, if you're taking notes, Hope you are, and adults. Number one, God is the cause of creation. Number two, 
Creation ex nihilo. God is the cause of creation. And number two, creation ex nihilo. Number one, God is the cause of creation. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So the cause of creation, and when we talk about cause, bear with me for a moment, kind of four causes, and we can talk about uh, efficient cause, final cause, formal cause, material cause. This is, comes from like philosophy. Um, when we talk about God being the cause of creation, we're talking about God as the essential cause. That is, He brings everything else into existence. Okay, So He is the essential cause of creation, and it is God and God alone. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Isaiah says. He kind of is provoking the nations. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 44, 24. Who alone, key word, stretched out the heavens. And he does this by himself. So God alone is the cause of all that you see. And the text says he did this by his word. What does that mean? Two ways you can understand it. You can refer it to as his spoken word. Okay? So turn to Psalm 33 9. You can see this as his spoken word, Psalm 33 9. This is probably a text the author has in mind. Psalm 33 9, or verse. Beginning in verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So it's a spoken word that created all things. Psalm 148.5 says the same thing. Speaking of the sun and the moon, the stars and the heavens, the psalmist writes, let them praise the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. So God, you could say, as the old Christians used to say, He preached the world into existence. He spoke it into being. What formerly did not exist began to exist when God called it into being by His powerful Word. Absolutely astounding. The second way you can see this word, uh, the word word, is his eternal word. That is the eternal logos, that capital W word, who is God the? Good. John 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning, with God, here it is, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made. 
So you could see this, that he, he created by the eternal Word of God, God the Son. Turn to Colossians 1.16 for a reference to this truth. Colossians 1.16. Speaking of God the Son, beginning in verse 15, Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, that is the Son, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. So, you could read it as His spoken word, Psalm 33, or His eternal word, the Logos, God the Son. I think both readings could be true. Isn't that convenient? The one who created all things is the same one who redeemed us from all our sin. It's one of the points. God spoke everything to existence by His eternal Word, His spoken Word, absolutely true. And that speaking, that creating act was a work of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there are some implications for you and I in this doctrine. Since God is the cause of creation, it stands to reason that creation reveals something of the being or of the nature of God. All right? Is that clear? So Romans 1.20 says this exact point. Romans 1.20. You can turn there if you like, but here it is. Talking about creation. In his invisible, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So Paul says, Creation tells us something of the being of God. It tells us something of His nature. What He is like. Creation, again, testifies to His character, you might say. And I have four implications as to why this is important. Or four attributes that creation testifies to. Here they are. Number one, God is independent. God is the one from whom all things exist and who is from none. Romans 11.36 All that God is, creation says, He is of Himself. He is ase. He never acquires. He never diminishes. Job 22.2 He is all-sufficient in Himself, the only source of all existence and life, the overflowing fountain of all good, Psalm 36.10. He is absolute being, the fullness of being, dependent on nothing, but everything depends on Him. Creation testifies that God is not like this place. Dependent. Two. 
Creation testifies that God is omnipotent, does it not? Jeremiah 10.12, it is He who made the earth by His power. For God, creating the world was as easy as picking up a feather. There's no such thing as hard work for God. His power is infinite. His power is good. His power is eternal. His power is just. Why? God is simple. He's one. Humanity boasts about the Great Wall of China, the pyramids of Egypt, yet in comparison to this universe, they are mere grains of sand. Absolutely amazing. God produced all things seen and unseen from nothing. We'll get to that. God calls into existence the things that do not exist, Romans 4.17. He even raises the dead according to His own power, Romans 1.4. He raised His Son from the dead, and beloved, He will raise you from the dead one day. This life, this creation is not all that is. Three, creation testifies that He is wise. Again, if you are unfamiliar with Isaiah 40, chapters 40 to 66, boys and girls, get familiar with them. Isaiah says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales. So he put the Rockies on scales. Okay? And the hills in a balance. Isaiah says, whom did he consult? <laughs> whom, or who made God understand? Who showed him the way of understanding? Implication, nobody. I, I the Lord have done this. Isaiah 40, 12 to 14. In fourth, creation testifies that God is eternal. There's a lot more. I'm just giving you four. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The number of His years are unsearchable. Job 36, 26. God has no beginning, no end, no succession of moments. He's not locked in time. You see. He's not in process of becoming. From eternity to eternity, He is who He is. I am the great I am. And this is why, congregation, you and I bow before God. Oh, come, the psalmist says. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. God is altogether unlike us. He's not a bigger version than you and I. He is absolutely altogether different. And creation testifies, bow down 
to this God who created all things and who redeemed you by his blood. He is the cause of all that you see and don't see. Number two, so God is the cause of all things. Number two, creation ex nihilo. Back to Hebrews chapter 11. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So let's get, I'll get to ex nihilo in, in just a moment. Creation itself is one of the three external works of God. So you can break down the works of God as internal works of God, and uh, it's called ad intra, and his external works of God, ad extra. His internal works of God are his decrees, predestination, election, uh, reprobation. Uh, some would put in his personal properties, the Father unbegotten, the Son eternally begotten from the Father, and the Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Works ad intra, works within the Godhead. Those are internal works. Works ad extra, well, e- external works are creation. Are you, bearing, are you hanging with me here? I see some glazed looks. <laughs> works ad extra or external works, there's three of them. Creation, you need to know this. Creation, providence, redemption. Can you say it with me? Creation, providence, redemption. Those are the three external works of God. We are studying studying one today. But creation uh, flows to providence or redemption and then will culminate in new creation. So that's creation. One of the works of God at extra, external works. Now, come back to me. Creation ex nihilo. The writer says that what that God made the universe by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So God didn't take pre-existing material and create. God is not a cosmic sculptor in that sense. He didn't work with material to make the universe. That's what we do. Some of you are scientists, engineers. You use pre-existing material to make stuff. Right? God didn't. Ex nihilo. Nothing. It's astounding to even think about. Repeatedly we are told in Genesis 1, God says, let there be. And we are told, and it was so. Creation required only a word. Scripture teaches that this entire planet 
came out of nowhere. Took shape as it did, not by enormous exertions, but because God spoke, the triune God that is. The visible world did not proceed from what is visible. Verse 3, it comes from God who spoke it into existence. Absolutely astonishing. Which is why the apostle in verse 3 says that creation must be taken on by faith. First of all, we weren't there. Second, it's nothing like we experience here. We can't even envision nothing. Now, footnote, okay, before we get to implications. This verse is not discrediting natural reason that one via causal relationships can reason back to a creator. So, Arguments from medieval Christians, Anselm, Aquinas. That's not what this verse is discrediting. What it is stating, however, though, is that it takes faith to believe in the how. Specifically that the triune God spoke it into existence by his powerful word. Natural reason can't get you that. Three implications creation ex nihilo gives us, okay? Boys and girls, are you sticking with the notes? One, creation ex nihilo safeguards us from false alternatives. Other ancient Near Eastern stories, Egypt, Mesopotamia, assume that their gods worked with pre-existing material. The biblical testimony does not. It insists that God creates something out of nothing. Creation ex nihilo, therefore, is deeply polemical. Pantheism Deism, materialism, and atheism are all false alternatives. Infinite light, formless matter, matter in motion, or anything else which one could possibly name or conceive are ruled out. Wilhelmus Albrockel, 17th century Dutch theologian. He was an old guy, but it sounded like he got some things right. Scripture emphasizes creation ex nihilo, Bobbing says, another Dutch theologian just a little later, in order to deny that the world was made out of some stuff or matter or energy which coexisted eternally alongside God. Ruled out. Creation ex nihilo safeguards us from false alternatives. Second, creation ex nihilo maintains the creator-creature-creature-creation distinction. God and creation are distinct in essence. Creation went from non-existence to existence. There was, in other words, no creation Eve. Right? There was no time to mark the first day prior to Genesis 1. There was no creation Eve. Do you understand? From nothing, including time. 
Creation is not independent. God, on the other hand, does not go from non-being to being. He is and always will be. This distinction must be maintained. My fear is that in our efforts to have God near us, and it's more of a fear these days, in an effort to have God near us, we make him like us. Not good. Three. Creation ex nihilo teaches the absolute sovereignty of God and man's absolute dependence. God is the Almighty who is infinitely higher than all creatures and who deals with creatures according to His sovereign good pleasure. He is the absolute owner of heaven and earth. Genesis fourteen nineteen who does whatever he pleases and whose power there is no limit. He speaks and it comes to be, Isaiah 48, 13. He created all things, heaven, earth, the sea, all that is on the sea and all that is in the sea, Exodus 20, 11. Everything exists by his will, Revelation 4, 11, and is of him, through him, and to him, Romans 11, 36. At no time or place is there even the slightest reference to an eternal, formless matter? God, is, God alone is the eternal and imperishable one. He towers above processes of becoming and change. That's God, Bobbing says. Man, on the other hand, is and does none of those things. He is the potter. We are the clay. Creation, ex nihilo, teaches us the absolute sovereignty of God and man's absolute dependence upon him. Let me, let me close with just a couple of application points here. First, place your trust in God, your creator, in whatever circumstance. Psalm 124, 8. The the Bible just is not concerned with right doctrine, but it wants this doctrine to flow into practice. Psalm 124, 8 is one of the areas in which the authors take the doctrine of creation and make it palpable for our life. Hear it now. Psalm 124, 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Can you guess what he is described as next? Who created heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who created heaven and earth. Are you in a time of spiritual wandering? discontentment, dullness, uncertainty. Well, the one who created all things from nothing can once again still say into the nothingness of your heart, let there be. And faith and hope and peace and joy 
can literally arise out of nothing. You say, but I have nothing to offer. I'm at the end of my rope. That's the point. He creates something out of nothing, not in this world, but also in your soul. Put your trust in God, your creator, who knows how to use nothing in whatever circumstance. And lastly, I perhaps haven't said in the most important thing about this text or creation. God made all things for the glory of his name. For his son, Jesus Christ. And one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to renew all things and make a new creation with a people redeemed by his blood. So here's the question Is your creator your redeemer? Have you come to him by faith and faith alone? He made you for his own glory. And he will receive the glory either in your damnation or in your salvation. Which one is it going to be? Not for your parents, not for your friends, not for... Anyone else who is Jesus Christ for you? Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let's pray. Our God, we are out of our league, officially. But we are in your blood. Cause us to be ever mindful and ever thankful of our great and glorious God who created all things, including us, for his glory. May you receive all the praise. Amen.